Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to the Cosmo Happy Hour. It's everything you would talk about with your best friends from sex to celebrity to entertainment. From the editors of Cosmopolitan.com, this is the Cosmo Happy Hour with Elisa Benson. Cosmopolitan.com recently conducted a survey with men and women about their perspective on sex, of course, because it's Cosmo, and more specifically on STIs. From getting tested to talking about it with a partner, or for many, not getting tested and not discussing it with their partner. Well, the results from this survey were startling, to say the least, and because we are Cosmo, we'll not let something this important go without discussion. I'm Elisa Benson. This is Cosmopolitan.com's Happy Hour podcast, and today we're talking about STIs. Joining me on the panel today is Cosmo's senior sex and relationships editor and frequent friend O podcast, Allie Drucker. <laughs> Hi, Allie. Hi, Elisa. How are you? Good. How are you? Are, are you so excited to be talking about I'm STIs? so excited to be talking about STIs. Of all the sex podcasts we've done together, this is obviously going to be <laughs> the best one we've ever done. <laughs> Clearly, because it's about your health. Right. About your health. Everyone's <laughs> favorite topic. Um, Quickly, I was just, before we started asking you, everyone knows what an STI is, right? Or like, do you want to just like go over that again? Right. There's no shame if you don't, but if not, time to learn. Um, STI stands for a sexually transmitted infection. In days of yore, it was sexually transmitted disease, but that t- term is a little bit less applicable because not every thing you contract sexually is a disease, right? It might not be chronic. It could be curable with antibiotics. Thus, infection is less stigmatizing and more correct at times. You know what? I just had a thought right as you're talking now. Is it less stigmatizing? STI is still kind of a, it feels like such a category. Yeah. I mean, like, listen, there's never going to be a great way to talk about like an infection that's potentially really scary and bad for you that happens to be like involving your genitals. Like, there's no lovely way to sugarcoat it. But I'd rather think of it as like an infection rather than like, I'm diseased and ruined forever. No, that's true. I have to say the thing I always say about STIs is like the same thing that I say about pink eye, which is just like everyone has had pink eye. Everyone gets it. Like you go to the doctor. First of all, it either goes away on its own or you go to the doctor and get drops and it's like gone in a few days. But people like lose their shit about it. Right. It's just like one of those things that feels viscerally unappealing. But if you unpack it, treatable everyone's experienced it everyone's been exposed to it and we'd be a lot better off if we could just be nicer right if we could just be nicer and i think the other thing is like the pink eye example like a lot of these stis are treatable especially if you're going early on which underscores the entire point of the survey which is get tested totally like if you know you can deal with it and then everything right and of course like there are some that are chronic that you know aren't curable but are you know there's treatment available that like herpes that is in your system um forever but, you know, that that's not all of them. And even if it is, like, there's been so many advances that can help people take control of their sexual health and manage their day-to-day, even if they do have a chronic STI, that it really is time that we stop looking at it like a death sentence and we start arming ourselves with information about it. Right. And also, everyone has herpes. Right? Like, <laughs> literally everyone, it seems like. People just get confused about it because I think they think that the worst case scenario is the only right. strain of it. We could have a whole separate podcast on herpes. Yeah, I'm sure that that will really really draw on the (laughs) listeners. Okay, so um, I I think we've jumped right into talking about (laughs) STIs in general, but can you share some of the top line sort of findings from this survey? Basically, the sort of overall finding was that people, especially men, aren't really getting tested for STIs, It's true. Men are three times likelier than women to say they've never been tested for an STI, like, literally ever in their lives. It's like, how do you live in this world? No, it's like... You can't, like, walk down a college campus without someone asking you if you want to be tested for STIs. And it's really scary. Like, the findings do indicate that, overall, young people are just not bringing up these conversations of, like, hey, when was the last time you've been tested? Enough. But more troubling, I think, for us is that men are really letting women shoulder the burden of this. You know, like, 
most men will say like their partner was the one to bring it up rather than they themselves. So we find that like women are kind of being the caretakers of their sexual health and their partners by being kind of the gatekeeper to say like, wait, hang on, what's going on? And in, in like a more macro sense, I think this isn't surprising because that's how sex has been for a really long time. Yeah. Like the onus is on the woman to be on birth control. Because she's the one who could get pregnant. Exactly. And just even the whole... In, I guess actually in this case I sort of feel a little bad for men but you know women I think typically were a little more socialized to like see a gynecologist on the regs and I think right. some men don't feel like they have that no, and it's true. sexual health doctor. And the CDC doesn't really recommend men getting tested more than like once a year unless they think they've been exposed to something or they're seeing a symptom or a partner has told them. So really healthcare providers are following the general guidelines and it makes sense because women are more susceptible to some STIs and a lot of like clinics might be operating on like federal funding so they want to get the most like bang for their buck over where these tests are being administered and what money they're spending. It feels like there could be a real opportunity. I know you were just saying really serious things and I'm going to take this Amids in a non-serious direction. Works for me. But like I feel like there could be an opening for like a mano, like man gyno. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyway, I'm going to think about that idea more and we can talk about it more later. Um, so part of the point, as always, with the um, amazing articles and information, Allie, that you put together in your section every day on Cosmopolitan.com is to help readers feel empowered. And around this topic specifically, even though some of the findings and when we jump on the phone with Amelia a little later, we will delve into in more detail. Some of the findings are a little like ooh, to be really um, articulate about it. You know, you're doing this all with the intent to empower readers and give them information. How do you think this helps women become, how do you think this is, these survey results move the conversation forward? I think for one, it kind of brings to the light something that you might have suspected but don't know for sure. And it kind of helps you see really what a risk you're at. Like it's what, almost like one third of survey respondents said they've had an STI in their life or like one third have had one or don't know. And then we've also found like one out of 9%, I think, of the survey respondents had lied to a partner about whether like the last time they'd been tested. So it's really exposing that risk, which I hope like sometimes a little bit of fear can jolt you in the right direction because it is about saying like, yeah, it does suck that like men aren't stepping up, but like what can I do to not be a statistic if I don't have to be? Mm -hmm. And so in the package, we have a few different pieces and one of them um, is strictly about like how to have this conversation, which we like interviewed some sex therapists, and some experts. And I think that's like really actionable tools for young women. Definitely, definitely. And just think if every man out there, every girl he hooks up with or every partner he ho- hooks up with asks him that question, have you been tested? Like eventually. Exactly. Right. It's, it's education too. Like you, like, yeah, you might have the burden of doing it now, but you also get to be like, hey, like, I think your future partners would probably like it if you like stepped up and asked about this too, because like it's your penis too that's like in this horse race. So oh, yeah. like start definitely, definitely. You don't know what kind of things your peen is like carrying exactly. around unnoticed. Exactly. For sure. Um, so I, I said earlier that we we're going to jump on the phone with Amelia. I feel like this is a good time to have her um, bring to light Absolutely. some of the other startling survey Our results. Our fabulous data journalist who helped us crunch all these numbers and interview and put together this fabulous report. Absolutely. Our first guest analyzed the results of a survey by Cosmopolitan.com all about STIs, and the results were so shocking. Here to help us make sense of this is Amelia Thompson-DeVoe. Hi, Amelia. Hi. So what was your overall reaction to this massive survey about STIs? I have to say it was really disappointment. I mean, you look through these results and you see kind of an overwhelming pattern, which is that lots of young people are not getting tested for STIs and they're also not talking about STIs. Um, And, you know, it's just really crucial, especially when you're young, to get screened for STIs regularly and especially when you're having multiple partners, you're not always having protected sex. It's just something that you really want to be on top of because it can have pretty serious health implications down the line. And, of course, it can also have very serious implications for your partner. So it just seems like that this isn't something that's really on young people's radar. Mm. Um, And, um, you know, I think that is (laughs) kind of a 
failure of the sex education system in the United States or something that we're looking at here. Well, I think, I mean, not that my own shitty, (laughs) like, sex education growing up in Ohio is necessarily representative of what everyone's was, but it's like you learn about STIs and you see the terrifying pictures of them, but, like, it never, it's like this is a bad reason not to have sex. There was no conversation whatsoever that I remember about having a conversation around this, and it is still so stigmatized that I think people don't even know where to begin, and one of the things, of course, that came to light in these survey results were how different men and women think about STIs in terms of getting treated. And so I think that makes it even more complicated that for 50% of the population, they are not necessarily, they're thinking about this even yeah, less they're, than the ladies. They're not doing 50% of the workload when it comes to talking about these crucial issues before right, sex. Right. Um, so, Amelia, what was your reaction to the story about um, the reader named Bree who asked her partner if he'd been tested and he basically avoided answering the question and kind of eventually admitted that he hadn't been tested at all? Do you feel like that was representative of what you're seeing out there? It was absolutely representative. And, you know, I mean, to be fair, I think women are pretty uncomfortable talking about these issues, too. Totally. Um, you know, they're, they're more likely to bring them up. Um, but I don't think that women necessarily know how to bring them up in sort of the best context. You know, in this story, um, the, you know, Brie kind of didn't know at what point to bring it up. And so she sort of brought it up mid-hookup. And I think that's maybe not always the time that is best if you want to get a sort of honest and relaxed answer out of your partner. Um, so obviously not to criticize Brie. These are really, really difficult conversations to have. But the other thing that really stuck out to me about that story was that he, the partner that she was hooking up with didn't just say that, you know, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine, and then finally admitted he hadn't been tested. He said that the reason he was fine was because he'd only hooked up with nice girls. Mm-hmm. And I think that is really representative of, you know, just kind of men's attitudes in general, whether they're aware of it or not, which is that if you hook up with nice girls, then they won't have STIs because they're kind of taking care of this for you. They're the ones who are getting screened. Um, they're the ones who are making sure that they've got birth control covered and everything else. Um, heard from a lot of women that men never have condoms on them, even in situations when you would really expect them to have a condom on hand. Um, So I think there is this sense among men that, you know, maybe this is a thing they should be thinking about, but as long as they're hooking up with the right kind of girls, whatever that is, um, this isn't something they necessarily have to worry about because it's kind of not their problem. Completely. And like, not only is that just incorrect, like STIs don't care about if you're nice or not. It's also like super stigmatizing. Like you can have an STI and like have done everything right. You know, like there's really no such thing as safe sex. There's only safer sex and this kind of classifying people as like nice or not nice based on testing results is just like really damaging and and i think statistically we know that it's like most people do have stis (laughs) like it's a huge percentage of people um that do have them which i think sort of I don't know. And one of the things that I feel like for me that these survey results really highlight is the sort of gender, um, the gender gap in STIs. But it's it's just brings to light how uncomfortable all of this is to talk about because you know you think about the breeze of the world or you think about your own self and you do have that conversation conversation with someone and say when is the last time you were tested and they're say i don't know or they haven't been tested so do you just like literally not hook up with them (laughs) i mean maybe that's what you shouldn't you know like how do you sort of how does like a girl in the world deal with that Yeah, I mean, it's funny because I actually talked to a couple people who were telling me these stories about how, oh, you know, I was... I was about to hook up with this guy, and then I asked the question, and he was like, oh, I haven't been tested for three years, or oh, I've never been tested. And then, you know, the story will kind of end, and I would follow up again and say, so what did you end up doing? And the answer would be, oh, we had sex anyway. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And I got tested afterward. Um, So, yeah, I think it's really tricky. I am hooked up with a guy that had HPV. (laughs) which he told me before we hooked up, but he like told me later 
I don't, I just like don't even know how to tell this story. This is a judgment free zone. But he told me later that he basically tells that to people when he's already hooking up with them. Yeah. Because like it's, it usually is not shutting down a sexual encounter, but it's like he feels, it's like his get out of jail free card is feeling like he, yeah, he's like, he's banking on the momentum he's built up that like you're not going to want to say anything because he's playing off of the way women are socialized to like feel guilty. Right. goes wrong like it would be your fault for like quote unquote leading him on and like cutting things off at the last minute because of this disclosure when right. like really he should have done it so right. much earlier right or you would be stigmatizing him exactly. Right. right exactly exactly like I you know like yeah I don't really know anything to say about that except I this is the one thing I will say I love that storyline in girls where um one of the characters gets HPV and she's like what why am I blanking on her name? Hannah. Hannah gets HPV and she's like, wait, what's her, what's the cousin's character? This is turning into a terrible (laughs) story. Jemima Kirk. Jemima Kirk's character is like all adventurous women do. Yep. (laughs) That was a long lead up. That was a really long lead up. To the fact that at least HPV is now being talked about in popular culture, which is a plus. Right, which is a plus, exactly. Um, So Amelia, what do you think should be everyone's biggest takeaway from these survey results? Women need to get Screened. This is one thing that, and men too, but you know, if, if we're talking to like Cosmo girls or a female audience, like really get screened. One of the things that came out of my conversations with a couple of medical experts is that um, one of our findings in the survey was actually that women are twice as likely as men to have had an STI, um, even though they're better about getting tested. And that's because young women are a lot more susceptible just biologically to STIs, especially chlamydia. Um, and chlamydia is often symptomless. So you can have it and not know it. Um, but when it sort of when the infection goes on for a long time, one of the eventual results can be infertility. So this is really serious stuff. Um, And the CDC recommends that young women under the age of 26 get screened every year. You can just do that at your um, OB-GYN appointment every year. So that's the first thing. And then I think the second thing is really to just keep talking about this with partners. Um, Like we were just saying before, it's really hard to tell someone, you know, you have this conversation and someone says they haven't gotten tested. You know, ideally you should not have sex with that person. If you think the relationship is going somewhere, and could maybe say, hey, you know, it's really important to me that you do this and we can go get tested together and I know where to do that and sort of maybe have some, like, information on hand so it doesn't seem like it's this big, scary thing that you're asking someone to do. Um, But one of the, you know, medical experts I interviewed put it really well, which is she said something along the lines of, it doesn't matter if you're getting screened and doing everything to protect yourself. If your partner isn't, then it's kind of, you know, it might be all for nothing. Um, So I think that's really, really important. And then obviously to guys, just get tested, Um, especially if you're you're sleeping with multiple partners. Um, You know, if you're just starting a new relationship with a new partner, there are lots of places to get inexpensive tests. And this just shouldn't be as big a deal as everyone seems to think it is. Right. Well, I think I think that's all such great advice. Although I have to say, like, a lot of that sort of fits a little bit better if you're talking about a partner that, first of all, cares about you. Right. <laughs> Not everyone you have sex with cares about you. But second of all, someone you're actually in some sort of relationship with. And I think what gets tricky about all of the these scenarios is if your sexual encounters aren't with people that you're actually in a relationship Right. And it makes it so much harder. But we did interview some experts about how to have this conversation for another piece in this package. And the main point they can give you like, look, people are going to have one night stands. One night stands can be like really fucking fun. So in those cases, just have the conversation as soon as you can, like have it in the cab home instead of the bed right before you're about to like put a penis in you. Right. So take whatever like leeway you have. It might not be much time and like that, you know, that's life. But be as responsible as you can about asking as soon as you can. Right. Yeah. And you can get tested afterward. Exactly. I mean, yeah. You know, use a condom, get tested afterward. Um, there are still ways that you can kind of, you know, not not <laughs> ask end every sexual encounter because your partner can't remember the last time he got <laughs> tested. But, right. you know, you can just go in the next week and go get tested yourself. And then you'll know. Yeah. Right. And right. Condoms are great. <laughs> 
condoms are great. great. Right. Oh man, I feel like I feel like this phone call is like kind of turning depressing. <laughs> was there anything, Amelia, you found optimistic about any of these survey results? <laughs> I found it really optimistic the number of women who said that this is a priority for them. Um, that they ask the question and they have the conversation, and even if they don't always know what to do with the information they get. Um, they're still feeling, you know, pretty comfortable bringing it up, even if it's super awkward and they don't like doing it. Right. So I think that's really optimistic, and we just have to hope that guys kind of learn from their female partners that this doesn't have to be scary <laughs> and terrible, and it's a conversation they need to have, too. Oh, my God. Men, get on my level for once. Okay, Amelia, I know you have to run, but thank you so much for all your help on this package, which we're so excited about on the site, and yeah. for joining us on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, bye. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Our next guests are comedians and hosts of the super funny podcast, Guys We Fucked. Welcome, Corinne Fisher and Christina Hutchinson. Hey, gals. How are you? Hello. Thanks for having us. Hi. Yeah, thanks so much for calling in. Where are you guys calling from? New York City. Oh. Yeah, two different places in New York City. Oh, oh. right down the street. Well, hello, hello. Um, so we wanted to bring you guys on because obviously we're huge fans of the podcast and we are doing this entire episode all about STIs. Um, we did a big survey that had some scary results, basically. I mean, this probably won't surprise you, but ultimately men are not paying attention to STI prevention the way that women are. Men basically assume that women are the ones getting tested and the ones that will bring it up if there's a problem. Um, none of this is shocking. Um, what has been your, yeah, like what has been your guys' experience and like you guys have always been so open talking about all things related to sex in terms of like slut shaming, slut shaming and women and STIs? Um, well, this is Christina. For me, my partner had just gotten out of a relationship with a porn star. So I remember before we, like our maybe our second date, after our second date, he said, oh, I went to uh, a clinic and got tested and I'm clean and here's my papers. I didn't even ask him to do that. What? And I was like, oh, that's a good, yeah. That's okay, amazing. That's we both know that status and he's always been so proactive about sexual health probably because of his last girlfriend which is great. So I, he kind of got me out of my show with talking about getting tested. I got tested every year at my um, GYN exam but uh, you know, we have a much more open dialogue with the podcast plus with that experience at the beginning of our relationship kind of brought me out of my show with that. And then I realized, wow, we should be asking this to every single person we're sleeping with. Yeah. Why I did not ask that question to a lot of the men. I and did it, he like, where did it happen? I mean, I think that's so interesting because it is so, and that was one of the things we uncovered in this big survey is that it's so rare for men to bring this up and even get tested at all. Um, like where you said you were like walking home like was this on the street like I'm curious about yeah, the moment where he was street. like by the way yeah it was actually we were in Chelsea he like kind of walked he met me at my work and we kind of walked home and he he told me oh I just went to the clinic I got tested and here's uh you know clean bill house um and then there was a couple tests that had took a second to get the results from but uh yeah he's always been proactive about that but I think also his experience with dating a porn star uh, they get tested, uh, I mean, the testing that happens in the porn community, especially if you're like a famous porn star, yeah. you get the, the bougie service of getting tested uh, in between every single scene. But um, they're so anal about it, pun intended. <laughs> and so I think that got him thinking and kind of being on top of his shit more. But men can carry STIs and STDs and not even realize it because there's no symptoms, right? Like right. HPV, there's not even a test for men, yeah. which is bullshit. And they could be a carrier and I have no idea, even if they are proactive about it. Absolutely. Well, I was going to say, it's also like, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's fun to be like, you know, men are lazy and like they are, but uh, it, it's not... I gotta say, it's a lot harder for a straight man to uh, catch anything from a straight woman. So I think that's why they're a bit more lackadaisical about it. Um, and it's certainly selfish because they're just only caring about themselves and like what they're getting. But that's also why it's really, really, I know like everyone likes to be like, be safe about everything. And you absolutely should. But from a scientific standpoint, it, it, it's a lot harder for a penis 
to contract something from a straight woman's vagina. It's very difficult. Unfortunately, we get the really raw end of this stick. It's true. We, it's very Just easy. like a lot of things. Yeah. yeah, it's really easy for us to contract uh, STIs and carry them, and uh, it's a nightmare. Yeah. One of the things I feel like we've been grappling over in this episode is just, you know, even if you do sort of like suck it up and have the conversation or like you're not afraid to just like straight up, you know, Christina, like your partner did sort of straight up say, I got tested. Here are my papers. Like, what about you? You know, even if you're not afraid to have that conversation, it's sort of the outcome, of course, you're looking for is for someone to say, yes, I've also been tested and everything's good down there and what do you really do if someone is like i you know like how realistic is it that people are sort of stopping hookups or like walking away from this i think it's i I mean i don't think it happens often at all it's true like my boyfriend and i would have like have had a couple three ways with uh, a woman that we would meet on this one app like we just had we had two with a uh, each of the women that we met on an app but we had like a kind of getting to know you over drinks kind of thing first yeah. To make sure. And one of the one of the first questions, and we even put this on our, on the profile of that app, is like we are tested, we are proactive about our sexual health, and we value that in a partner. And that's that's a deal breaker for us. Yeah. So, but then it's like, well, if they say yes, they could be lying, or they could have something and not know, or you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's weird to be like, let me see your papers. Yeah. That sounds weird and demanding and. I don't know, but as if you really think and about it. And it's not it, super sexy. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, you know. It's I, not sexy at all. Right. Yeah, you gotta, you have to be realistic about, about sex in that, like, yes, there's a million things we should be doing, but realistically, what are the actual actions that we can take that are things that make sense in a real world situation? And while it's lovely that Stephen presented, uh, you know, papers to Christina, that's just not, that's not. It's so rare. Norman. And we certainly can't expect that from people. So, I mean, just as with everything, there's a real trust going in to a sexual relationship, uh, you know, whether it be a one-night stand or a, a, a long-term commitment. There has to be some level of trust there. And, I mean, a lot of times you just have to follow your gut. Does it seem like a believable person? I mean, and it's, it's a real crapshoot. Absolutely. Well, and I'm even thinking, yeah, the, like, the just herpes in... stigma is, like... Yeah. Stigmas are crazy, but, like, with herpes specifically, is the one we get the most emails about because... Yeah. You have to tell anybody you sleep with if you have it. You have to. Yeah. Morally, you are obligated to. I mean, not legally, but... Ha- and, and getting around that, and I have a close friend who got her base because her, her, her partner had cheated on her, and that's how she got it, so... Already, that blows. You're going to have yeah. to end your life unless they come up with a cure. And now, I every single... Too, it's a actually. reminder of infidelity... Huh? I think you can sue for someone giving you an STI. There have been certainly cases of it. I don't know if they won or not. It's not like a law, but you can certainly sue someone. But at the point when you already have herpes, it's kind of too fucking late. Yeah, like if they willfully, right. you know, don't disclose well, now, information I mean, that yeah, could harm you. But so the- before you sleep with somebody, to have to tell them that, that's that's horrifying because that stigma around herpes is insane. And really, if you think of it, it's not a life or death situation it's not the end of the world it's not you know what i mean so it sucks that that and so many people have it and it's very it's so interesting to me that everyone treats it like the scarlet letter Right. Well, actually, Allie and I, before we jumped on the phone with you guys, we're already having a deep discussion about herpes. And we're like, we need to do a whole podcast. podcast. Yeah, a whole episode about herpes. But yeah, but that is one of the things that is so confusing about it with the multiple strains that really it is so common. There's so much confusion over the idea of like, yeah, if you have a cold sore, that can be like sexually transmitted. But people think that's like yeah. a different category of yeah, right. It's very confusing. And no one knows the knowledge. There's no. There's, it's so hard. Not, the the fact that we Corinne and I had debated on the podcast like, wait, can you get herpes if someone has a cold sore and they go down on you? And we're like, how do we not know this? And then some people said yes, some people said no. It, it can transfer. Well, I said yes. Yeah, you can. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, scientifically, yes. But it, it's like. Uh, not to p- go into promoting our stuff, but when we, Corinne and I have a book coming out, and one of the sections, I was going through our emails, and I that, that close friend, I actually had her write a section on how it feels to talk to her se- sexual partners now from now on. It's the first thing she has to say before she sleeps with them. Yeah. How does that conversation go? How does that make you feel? How does that... And it's a constant reminder, and it, it's a, it does alter the way you do things uh, in terms of the way you sleep with people and the way you date and the way you... But then in reality, we should be having this conversation before we sleep with people, regardless of, 
your status on SCIs. So right, and I think. I think herpes is actually a perfect example of why talking about this is so important is because there is such a layer of confusion about it. So people who are living with it and dealing with it and doing the responsible thing and disclosing to partners, I think there are instances where they face the reality of that stigma when the truth is like so many people have it. People have had cold sores their whole life and don't think that that's something that they need to disclose or it wouldn't even occur to them. Um, And, you know, that misinformation only sort of makes the problem worse in some ways. But I do want to say, since we're going really hard on herpes, that a lot of people with herpes have very happy, satisfying sexual relationships in lives so that bears repeating and it doesn't have to be this like sentence this death sentence i think one of the things that i was so interested in through uh, like if i just typed in the word herpes in our um search box in our inbox and there i mean a lot of the subject lines for those emails were i don't think i'm deserving of love because i have this it's so sad not connected at all right not yeah. yeah and that's social stigma though but that's the power of shame and right. how it can make somebody just go into their shell in a way that it may might sound illogical to us talking about it right now but to the people who have it or have been through or you know what i mean like it, right it, that is something that crosses their mind and that's i was like oh fuck that sucks right do you guys think I think it's a really interesting point that you brought up earlier that there doesn't really feel like there's anything sexy about having the STI conversation do you think there would ever be a way to start, like not necessarily like make it sexy but like I wonder you know I know there's been a lot talked about and written about about how rare it is to see condoms used in sex scenes in television and movies but every once in a while you do actually see a character make reference to that can you guys imagine a world where we'll ever see characters having sti conversations i can i mean i've had it the, i think the way steven presented it to me was kind of we hadn't talked about sleeping together but we both kind of knew it was headed towards that yeah we slept together at that point and he, the way he said he was like hey i like being proactive about my sexual health something that's really important to me so i want you to know that i just got tested and here's my thing if you want to see it cool um but you know i would like to know your status too uh let's talk about that like i don't know it it certainly is not a sexy conversation but i think the way when it's presented in this matter of fact tone of like hey what do you want to eat for dinner tonight then it just it you don't even right strike you as something like oh boy oh no this is weird and well, awkward a and guy a guy who is in charge of his sex life is sexy although like i will ca- exactly. i will caution that a lot of the experts are saying like this conversation is not foreplay it has to happen before sex but do not treat it like foreplay otherwise you will wait too long mm-hmm. and you'll be at the point oh. of no return like <laughs> right. have it beforehand it's not supposed to be sexy you're basically asking somebody for their medical history right what if i you guys <laughs> what if i tell someone's healthy and take care of the if, if somebody yeah. takes care of themselves, that's sexy. And then exactly. it's hard to take care of yourself. Right. What if yeah, I just text this guy I just started talking to on Hinge right now? <laughs> oh my God, you should do it and see yeah. how he reacts. Right, exactly. <laughs> how much do you like him? Are you willing right. to scare him off? <laughs> I like him zero, to be honest. Well, then there you go. <laughs> he that's seems like a perfect is until you meet them. Exactly. Um, so finally, I want to give you guys a chance to talk about the podcast and also about the upcoming book. Like what you guys do and talking so openly and with such humor about all of these topics really does help build really does help fight these stigmas around STIs and so many other things. What kind of stories do you guys hear? And it sounds like you get so much feedback from readers. What kind of things have you heard in terms of people saying like this really helped me or this made me feel better about X, Y, Z? Um, made we made all, me feel better or made, or, made, or made the listener feel better? Yeah, I'm just wondering about the kind of feedback that you guys hear from readers. I mean, we feel every every day from, like, the littlest thing about, like, you made me feel better, better about my inverted nipples to, like, you made me feel better about my entire marriage or having children or not having children. So, I mean, it's just that anything you can possibly think of that people have felt shame or bad about, people have felt shame or bad about. Like, right. it's truly, yeah. like, the limitless. Uh, sexual assault's a big one. Um, yeah. There's so many... Uh, any scenario in life, any situation that could possibly happen to a person, whether it's good or bad, people have no one person. People are not going to have the same reactions to. So we've had people email us saying um, they have been raped twice. And is it me? And they were a year mm. apart, totally separate circumstance. No, it's not you. And then one girl emailed us or a couple. Uh, this has happened a couple times. I mean, 
they were sexually assaulted, but they didn't, they don't feel bad about themselves. And is that bad that they don't feel bad? And it's like, Oh Jesus. I mean, right. you know, and, and the main thing is how you feel about something that an event that you've been through, especially if it's traumatic, like it's okay. You know, however you deal with things and however, whatever mechanisms, coping mechanisms and ways of healing work for you don't work for everybody, but that's fine. They shouldn't work for everybody. So I think, um, yeah, we, we've, uh, I just recently discovered a couple weeks, or I think it was maybe last week or two weeks ago, um, on the intro we talked about this, that I, I've been giving blowjobs wrong this whole time. And <laughs> wrong? I didn't know about certain suction moves you had to do. And, you know, uh, and I, and my, when I had this realization, like, I wasn't ashamed of it. I just thought it was hilarious. Wait, yeah. wait, can we back up? <laughs> How do you give a uh, blowjob wrong? <laughs> So I was just like licking it like a lollipop, but apparently you need suction with your, you have to like create suction with your mouth. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> miss that part of the memo. But you can do both. I mean, like the yeah. licking like a lollipop is an important move to like intersperse <laughs> in there with like. But that's all I've been doing. <laughs> Has that been working? No, no one's going to come like um, that. Yeah, it's going to take a long, long time. <laughs> wow. Like, it has been at some times, but you know how like a guy can just. A guy can have sex with the. I mean, just men don't. Not that they don't have high standards, but it's easier for men to come than it is for women. Right. It's a much less complicated process. Correct. Uh, emotionally, physically, uh, all of the you know all of the sides of that. So I feel like they were just happy that I was there, you know. And so <laughs> as they I should be. I took. Yeah, but I was like, oh, I deserve a trophy. No, I don't. <laughs> No, but it's okay. We're very honest about what we don't know. And I yeah. think more people should be honest about that part. Too. Very true. Well, I think it's interesting how you guys play, you end up playing to your listeners this sort of role of being advice givers and therapists just because you are, because it's rare for people to be able to talk about all of this stuff openly and again with such humor. So that ends up being so important for your for your community. Well, thank you both so much totally. for joining. We should do this again more often. Um, yeah. And do you guys want to shout out? So close to each other. Yeah. <laughs> do you guys want to shout out again the best place for people to find you and hear the show? Uh, yeah, the show, the podcast is Guys We Fucked, the anti-slut shaming podcast. We're on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, hopefully, as long as that's around. Uh, Stitcher, our social media, our Twitter handle is SRY about last NYT. Sorry about last night is the name of our comedy duo. Um, and I'm at Christina Hutch. And I'm at Philanthropy and Gal. Philanthropy Gal. And when is the book coming out? October, uh, October 24th. Oh, oh my gosh. Congratulations. Up. Right around the corner. Thanks so much, guys. Talk to you soon. Thank okay, you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Our last guest today is a sexologist, author, TV personality, and host of the super popular podcast, Sex with Dr. Jess. Here to give us tips on how to speak with our partners about STIs is Dr. Jess. Hi, Dr. Jess. How are you? Good. How are you? Awesome. Thank you. So you should know you're joining the podcast at a very exciting moment <laughs> because we've been talking about STIs the entire show. And basically, it sort of comes down to two things that I'm just going to put you on the spot about. The first is like, how do you possibly bring up this topic when we've all heard the advice that you shouldn't wait till you're actually hooking up with someone to do it? So what first question, what's a good way to do that? And then second of all, you know, what do you really do if someone sort of says, like, I haven't been tested or I don't know? Well, this is the thing. I think that all the experts are going to tell you that healthy sexual relationship all, all comes down to communication. And I'm going to tell you that it all comes down to levity, to a bit of a sense hmm. of humor. So this is something you can kind of joke about. So I don't know. You ask them, when's your birthday? April 14th, when's your birthday? Uh, February 18th, uh, you know, February 18th. I have some champagne, I eat a cake, and I get tested for STIs. That's my birthday ritual, right? So I know people who get, like a lot of people in my field, that's how they celebrate their birthday. They get, I mean, it's not the only way. We, we got to get down, but we also use it as a reminder. I love that. Yeah, so it, it can be a little bit of, I don't want to say it's a joke, because it's certainly a serious issue, but if 
if you know my work, I'm always joking about sex, despite the fact that I take it very seriously. You don't have to be serious about it at every moment in time. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I've seen other experts who are STI positive and they're open about it and they'll joke about it at the bar. Like even when they're meeting someone, they'll say, yeah, you know, I I got famous for writing about my my chlamydia once. So, I mean, and these people are still having sex and they still have meaningful relationships. You know, half of us are going to have an STI at some point in our lives. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's a better chance that the person you're talking to has contracted an STI or will contract an STI than than not. Right. And so what about if you have that conversation with somebody, you do the old birthday joke, you find this way to bring it up, and the person does sort of say like, well, yeah, I have this or I have this. Like, is the official recommendation like don't sleep with that person or, you know, that's, I don't know. What comes after that? Yeah, what comes next? Because then half of us would never have sex again. Exactly. First of all, so if you have an STI, you don't need to apologize and you don't need to feel inclined to explain to a potential partner how you contracted the STI. And my advice to you is if you're inclined toward it, share a resource with them, especially if this is someone, you know, you're in a relationship with, um, they probably have questions that you either can't or don't want to answer. It's not your job because you have herpes to know everything about herpes. Right. Um, but maybe you show them like a support group. You wouldn't believe how many herpes support groups there are on Facebook. So maybe you let them know you don't apologize. You share a resource with them because you're not going to be their only resource. Right. Uh, and I find that people who are comfortable telling like friends and other trusted people that they have STIs have an easier time telling a potential partner because you've said it out loud it's like anything becomes real when you say it right and if and if if somebody reveals that you know that they have an sti you got to thank them for being honest this this open sharing we have all these chemical reactions that happen in our bodies when we open up and we're vulnerable with someone and this is one way we build trust in relationships so i mean the most appropriate answer response would be thank you and be open to learning more Um, always bearing in mind that you very well may have an STI yourself, especially if you have not been tested because, and I'm sure you've been over this, the most common symptom of an STI, of course, is no symptom at all. Right. Right. I have another sort of micro question about STIs, which is that one of the things that I think can be a little bit confusing is, you know, we've talked earlier on the show about how the official recommendation is to sort of get tested once a year or do that birthday test. Or, of course, if you have a risky scenario and you want to, like, go in to get it sooner. But, you know, sometimes, you know, it's a little bit like come back in another year and see, like, I know that can be the case with, like, HP where it can sort of be like come like your body fights it off and come back again and like see you next time how do you sort of factor in those slightly like unknowable aspects of an sdi into a conversation with a partner like i might have something or is tested and this is what happened yeah, like my pap smear was like a little bit irregular right. but not irregular enough that they wanted to do anything about right. it right and like oh. a guy doesn't know wtf a pap smear is you yeah. know <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't think that, I mean, an irregular pap smear is not a, a sign of an STI. Right. It, could be, it could be many different things. Um, I, I would say that the best thing to do is be as honest in you, as you can. And being honest would entail saying, this is the last time I was tested and this is what they found. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly STIs have various incubation periods depending on the, on the infection, on the bacteria or the virus. So if you believe there's a, if you have a reason to believe you've been exposed, they'll tell you to come back when the incubation period has ended. So if it's like a two month incubation period for an STI, they'll tell you to come back if you either a few months or a few weeks later, depending on when you've gone in after that high risk experience. So I think you just have to be honest and say, I was tested and this is what they found. I was tested and they didn't find anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know, and so I'm not a medical doctor. I'm a, I'm mm-hmm. a PhD. I have to be really clear about that. That um, an irregular pap could be lots of different things. And sure. generally, if you get an irregular pap, uh, an irregular pap, they're going to bring you back for testing. It's not usually like come back in two years. Um, what I was thinking is, for instance, let's say you have like a swollen lymph node. Like I have a little lymph node under my armpit, like near my breast, right? Right. And so they tell me that it's fine, and they do an ultrasound and whatnot, and then they always say, "But come back in a year to keep an eye on it." That's not me having to tell people, like, I have cancer or something like that, right? I just have a lymph node that we need to pay attention to, and I get it checked once a year or however often the doctor recommends. So I don't think we need to treat STIs necessarily 
any differently. Right. Because I, I think it's it's the stigma around it that makes it so difficult. Right. Um, like it's it's kind of e- it's easier to cure chlamydia than the common cold. But we treat chlamydia like it's this really frightening thing. I mean, so many people have gotten chlamydia and you don't even know it. Yeah. Yeah, I I always say to Ellie on your own. Right, I said it to Ellie earlier in the show. It's like pink eye. Like everyone's had pink eye, but people like <laughs> lose their minds about it. <laughs> they act yeah. like it's very scary. It's that perception of being like quote unquote gross that like makes people scared to be honest, which is something we really need to do away with. And we're all kind of, I mean, I don't like, I, I'm, I'm, I guess, wary of the term, but we're all kind of gross in some ways. Exactly. Like, yeah. closed doors that we wouldn't do on the subway. Like, bodies are <laughs> gross. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and I like to think about, like, the flip side, that they're all, like, if we're all doing it, it's not actually gross. It's the social <laughs> or cultural conditioning that makes us think it's gross, like plucking a hair while you're sitting on the toilet or something right. like that, that everybody has probably done at some point in time, but it, it's appropriate and not gross to do it in your own bathroom. It wouldn't be appropriate, you know, to do it on the subway sort of thing. So it's private public distinction, I think. And I do think we need to approach STIs. I don't want to say with more level levity, the conversation we can have more levity, but also just with less shame and less stigma. Like this is just something people live with. People have all sorts of illnesses, infections, diseases, but none are as stigmatized as STIs. And that really has to do with our erotophobia, our hangups around sexuality, our fear of sexuality, our willingness to have sex, but not talk about it. And once we start you know, eroding away at these cultural norms, then we can start approaching STIs with, with, you know, a rational approach as opposed to an emotional one. I think that's such a good point and so well said. And, you know, those cultural societal norms are what we're all fighting against. You know, one of the ways we're fighting against them here at Cosmo is by doing episodes of the podcast about it, by doing this original research that Ali's team put together. And I think one way that you can fight against it in your own life is feeling as best you can shameless about having these conversations in your own life with your and with your partners is there anything else you would recommend like for people that want to sort of fight the good fight and fight the stigma well i think we need to start looking at the data instead of going with our gut Mm. on the measurable quantitative and qualitative you know data so there's you know the misconception that stis are just for people who are promiscuous or have sex with lots of different people or they're dirty or they're careless. And it's, it's really interesting because, and I think this is a really fascinating piece of research that found that people in open relationships, so consensually non-monogamous couples and monogamous couples actually share the same STI risk mm-hmm. because having, you only have to have sex with one person to contract an STI. Mm-hmm. And you can have sex with 100 and not contract an STI. Sure, your risk can be increased, but what we find is people who are, who are having sex with multiple partners, at least in the context of a consensually non-monogamous relationship, are more likely to A, get tested, and B, enact safer sex practices. Mm-hmm. And then the other piece around STIs is, and this is a real problem we run into as sex educators, there's quite a myopic, heterocentric view of sex that I believe results in sex education programs focusing primarily just on condoms on penises. You can put Mm -hmm. that penis in a vagina and we need to address safer sex practices when it comes to a really wide range of sexual activities, whether it be oral sex or manual sex or anal sex. We, I was talking to a a woman the other day uh, who was taught that I believe it was her boyfriend believed that sex was wrong outside of marriage. So for years and years, they only had anal. Mm. And I mean, that that's fine to each their own. However, there are risks with anal. In fact, there are higher risks with anal than with vaginal penetration in some cases. Yeah, mm-hmm. so many STIs are still spread. Like any way that you can touch a genital, you can pretty much spread an STI. Right, right. right. And it's a risk. It's a risk we take. And um, I know there are people who are like afraid. We're seeing young people, millennials, in fact, having less sex. And I do wonder if there, it is the fear uh, we have more information now that tells us that, yeah, just rubbing genitals, you can you can contract an STI with your mouth. You, I mean, we see a, an increase in uh, in throat cancers resulting from HPV uh, virus and in the throat from oral sex. So 
we don't want to scare people off sex altogether, but we do want to give them the information so they can say, is it worth the risk to me? And what can I do to minimize the risk? Right, definitely. And thank you for sharing um, tips on sort of how to do that. And I think that's a really great piece of advice that you started with about bringing a little levity to a very serious (laughs) conversation. Because this stuff can get pretty deep and heavy and like make you want to just like never touch another human again. (laughs) And that's not what we want to do here. There'd be no, no Cosmo. Not. Yeah, exactly. No, you, and you can't, you're not going to write off half of the population right. as potential. First of all, I mean, if you're a hetero person, you've already written off half of them. Right. You just, then you're, you know, you're looking at people within your age range. You're whittling down your dating pool. Right. When in fact, you just you need to practice safer sex. You need to get tested. You need to require that your partners get tested. And the more confident you are in sharing your status, whether it's a positive STI status or negative. Um, and we don't like the language of like clean, right? They'll mm-hmm, say like, oh, I'm right. clean or, or the, and you know, of course, there's gendered layers to the language we use here, right? Talking about dirty. We don't tend to talk about men as dirty, mm-hmm. but women, that tends to be, you know, a, a word that gets thrown around. And all of that is connected with STI stigma. So a big part of sex education, a big part of women's empowerment, LGBTQ empowerment, all of it is connected with fighting the stigma around STIs. Definitely. Thank you so much, Dr. Jess. We always love having you on. And do you want to just shout out the best place for people to find out more about you and find your show? For sure. Sexwithdrjess.com. You'll find the podcast there. And my all of my social media handles are at sexwithdrjess. Thanks so much, Dr. Jess. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Allie, I feel like today's episode of... STI deep dive was a real emotional roller coaster. It really was, but we ended on a high note we where like high we note. were able to be put at ease by Dr. Jess, who could say, like, you can be funny when you ask this question. Yeah. Like STIs aren't funny, your sexual health isn't funny, but like the way you relate to someone else doesn't have to be so high pressure as right. long as you're asking the right questions. But you can you can be funny. Exactly. And um it was so great to have Christina and Cran on the show, which we've been wanting to do for a while because oh, they're, they're so like great. hilarious about all this stuff all the time. Um yeah and so yeah I guess you're right you're reminding me that I can feel ha 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 <laughs> that's very important <laughs> well if you are confident and you like walk into room like hey what's up ha ha like oh wait your other partners don't ask you about this like right. well, what's wrong with them what's wrong with you right instead of feeling like you're the one that's like in the minority maybe I should just tweet my last like STI test results like make that my pin tweet oh my god I love it yeah <laughs> Um, and as I was like joking with in our call earlier, maybe I should just text the guy I'm talking to on Hinge, RN, and like throw it out there. See yeah, what happens. Why not? Um, but Allie, thank you so much for coming on. Always love having you here. Of course. And you do an amazing job every day of bringing humor to the important sexy things you talk about on Cosmopolitan.com. Someone's got to do it. Someone's got to do it. So look for this huge piece of research coming soon on Cosmopolitan.com in this real deep dive full of more expert information and all the other things we talked about recapped coming soon on the site and do you want to also shout out your twitter handle if people want to tweet you their sti results yeah why not tweet me all of your results um you can get me on twitter and instagram at ali a-l-i underscore drucker d-r-u-c-k-e-r and as always i am at elisa benson you guys should tweet me instagram me your test results well that or (laughs) i was actually gonna say like what you want to see us talk about next here at cosmopolitan.com happy hour i love hearing from you guys it makes my day and i will see you next week bye Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. 
Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.